I want to talk this evening about Thanksgiving. Not the holiday Thanksgiving, but the act, the spiritual act of Thanksgiving. Um, and in Psalm 100, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty well-known scripture. Uh, we're going to read the whole thing because it is only five verses. Um, so it says this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pastures. Then verse four says this, and we're going to focus on tonight. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through the generations. How many would say amen over that scripture in our life? I mean, sometimes when I read through the Psalms and like the revelation that David and the different writers of Psalms had in terms of the nature of God is amazing. You know what's more amazing to me is that we can know God in a more intimate way than people like David knew him, right? Like you read through some of the Psalms with David and it's like, wow, you, you had these, this close fellowship and communion with God he was still separated from God in the old covenant. We know that. But how many of us know that we're in the new covenant, which means there is no separation, that we can know God the same, if not more intensely than the way that we read about it. And so, you know, that's a little bit what I've been realizing lately. Uh, maybe it's the fact that I'm getting older, which I guess you're technically getting wiser, or I don't I necessarily know how it goes. But I've realized a lot about life lately is that life is all about perspective. Right. You ever notice that? Um, I mean, perspective is everything. You can have two people go through the exact same situation and one person, they have an amazing time and the other person loathes it. You know, like they have to go through a trauma prayer because of how negative of an experience it was. And, and, you know, I, I love so much having Katie and Mitch here, you know, as they began to really just continue to unpack for us just how valuable the process of inner healing is and, and how God would desire that he wouldn't just change the outside of our life, but that God would really begin on the inside, yeah. right? That we would allow him into our hearts to begin to work out just all the negativity, all the bad experiences, all the fears, all the worries, all the traumas, why? Because God desires, I mean, we read it here in Psalms 100, is God desires that we would experience his goodness. And a lot of the time what happens to us, I don't know about you, but I can find myself like this, is that it's not necessarily God that's the problem. Uh, actually, in fact, I would venture to say it's never God that's the problem. Uh, I, I sometimes wish that it could be more God's fault. Um, but I've come to this place of understanding that really a lot of life is all about perspective. Because the more that I read the scripture, I realize something is that we read these amazing passages of scripture, you know, in Psalm 100. And, you know, David, if David is the one who wrote this particular passage, he's talking about, you know, giving thanks and entering into the courts of God with praise and that God is good. But I realized something that David was living thousands of years ago. 
like when David went home, he was going home to like a shack somewhere, or he could have written this like in the middle of a battle, or you know, we know that a part of his life he spent in a cave that was so dark you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. So I realized something that it wasn't that, you know, the writers who write good things about God, who experience good things about God, it wasn't that they just lived a life that was so full of happiness all the time. You know, like I talk about the Apostle Paul like all the time because of he's so amazing to me how he could be, literally live probably one of the worst lives ever in the history of humanity. Like, it wasn't like this guy got beat up once or twice. It was a regular occurrence in the Apostle Paul's life that something horrific was happening. Like, if it wasn't that he was getting stoned, he was getting whipped. If not whipped, he was getting shipwrecked. If not shipwrecked, he was getting bit by a snake. It was a constant occurrence. But at the same time, he was able to write and give us a deep understanding of the message of grace right? The, really, the revelation of grace came through the Apostle Paul, which is really the, the, the revelation of the love of God. And I realized very quickly that these people who understood God in these amazing ways, it wasn't that they understood them because their life was perfect. And I think that that's sometimes how I feel, right? And I know that some of the people that I talk to feel the same way, where, you know, God is good when things are good. Like, oh, I could sing the praises of God when he comes through for me, you know? And then when he doesn't, you know, sometimes it's a different story. But I realized something about these great men in the scriptures is that their perspective was immovable. You notice that? It, was, it, it wasn't based off of a situation or a circumstance, it wasn't based off of what was happening in the time or whether things were going good or they were going bad. I realized that their perspective of God, their perspective of his goodness and their future was constant. And whenever I read about people like this, I want to know, I'm, I'm sure that you're the same, but I, I want to know what is it that you understood? Because they... David was not another species of being, right? It wasn't like we read in the scriptures and they were some different species. And so because of that, uh, uh, happiness or thanksgiving came easier to them. You know, well, if I could just be someone, you know, it wasn't like that. I understand that. It, how many of you know it's just would have been in his day because we saw the people that were around David, it was just as easy to have a negative perspective as it was to have a positive. Right. Let's take, for example, when David was fighting Goliath. David had this amazing perspective, right? He like runs into battle and, you know, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine, that you would defy the armies of the living God? But that wasn't the common mantra at the time, right? I mean, if you go into the scripture, you realize that it was the rest of the nation had a totally different perspective than what David had at this time. What does that mean to me? My perspective doesn't have to be based off of my situation. And I think that in our modern world or the modern society that we live in, we're really trained or 
in, it's ingrained in us that, you know, when things are good, we're good. And when things are bad, we're complaining. And you want me to stop complaining? Then God, you got to turn things around, right. right? Because we can be so uh, uh, changeable, or we can be so uh, easily movable. When, if it didn't have to be that way for David, I would choose that it wouldn't be that way for me. How many of you would say amen to that? Three of you, amen. Good for you. And that's what I want to know, because if joy and rejoicing is actually a choice, yeah. right? We've been talking about that for a while, is this understanding. And, you know, Katie came and she solidified that in us. And my dad has been preaching to us about, I believe in miracles. And we're getting this very well-rounded understanding that I am today the person that I choose to be, yeah. right? There is no situation or circumstance that it's forcing its will upon me to such an extent that it has this overwhelming ability to dictate my mood, right? Now, something bad can happen and I can give into that and have a bad mood, but that thing in its side of itself does not have the ability to affect my mood. I have the ability to choose, right? I remember years ago, God said that to me. He said to me, Alex, you know, your worst day in somebody else's life is a day that they would pray for. Why? Because it's all about perspective. How many of you know if, if we were to bring somebody into our life on our worst day, and you bring somebody from, you know, the bush of Africa into your life, they're going to be like, holy man, like this is crazy how good this is, right? Because it's all about perspective. The situation is exactly the same. You might only have crackers to eat, and somebody from Africa is like, you have crackers to eat? <laughs> yeah, right? So you, see, you see what I'm saying? But that's a choice. It's a choice that I make in every decision of my life. Science says I have 30 to 50,000 decisions, thoughts, that I process every single day, and I have, the, every, I have a moment, you know, maybe like a nanosecond with every one of those thoughts to determine how am I going to respond to this? Because I, as a sovereign being, right, what, what we read it in the book of Genesis with Adam, he's a sovereign being, so he has the right to choose. Yeah. And it's exactly the same way that we have. Now, sometimes we feel like it's out of our control, and that's true. Sometimes I feel like things are so negative that it's out of my control. But even the most negative situations are still within my control. Because I've realized something. If it's a choice between being happy or being sad, right? It is a, it's a choice, right? Because this, the person is like, oh, we only have crackers to eat today. And the other person is like, we have crackers to eat today. Right? It's a choice. If I have the choice to be happy or sad, to be joyful or, you know, discouraged, I would choose happy. I would choose joyful. I would choose that my life would be full of peace. Wouldn't you? I would choose to never worry. I would choose to never be fearful. I would choose to never allow my mind to get into a state of depression or anxiety. And one of the things that science, I think, in our world has tried to tell us is that, you know, those things are out of our control. But I've been reading this book by Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she's so amazing. 
And she lays it out so clearly to us. Is it's simply just that you've just got yourself into a rut. You like you ever drive it now? God, thank God for winter. Actually, I don't know if I thank God for winter, truthfully. But we, everybody knows what that's like. You know, you get you get stuck in a rut. And what happens? You could spin your wheels. You could try, you know, you could try to get out of there as hard as you want, but you get stuck in that rut. And that's the same thing that happens to us in our minds, where we respond to a negative situation the same way that we've always responded to it. And then we, you know, we feel like we need pills or something. Don't get me wrong, I'm not, by no means am I talking against those things because I feel like God puts us on a journey. But I've come to the very basic reality that my emotions, my responses are within my control. Because I can't live based off of my circumstances. I can't be a faith person and expect to live based off my circumstances. I mean, isn't that true in all of, how many of you have, you know, taken on a faith project and you manifest that thing before you have faith to manifest? Any, anybody? Okay. No. Okay. Uh, let me, we're probably all in this category. How many of you have taken on a faith project and when you took on the faith project, you wish you never did because your life is significantly worse now than it was before you took on that faith project, right? I, I, if I want to be a faith person, I cannot be driven around by my circumstances because my circumstances don't mean that it's, it's an inaccurate picture of what actually is happening. It's like when we talk about Mark 4, the seed goes into the ground and dies, right? Like, you know, imagine the farmer like, oh, shucks, right? I could have eaten that piece of corn because now it's dead, right? But what? He understands that he can't live based off of how things seem. Because if I live based off of how it seems, the moment that that seed dies, that's the moment it's going to begin to live. But if I live based off of how I see and I look at that seed and I say, oh, it's dead, and I pluck it out, I'm never going to reap the harvest that God had for me to reap. So as a faith person, I understand that perspective is everything because on my faith journey, I mean, thank God, sometimes we do like get a, you know, a miracle, like it just comes through. I, I think that even miracles, we're talking about like the sustained, like my life is a life of miracles. Like I never struggle with rent anymore, right? That I, I don't struggle with, you know, sickness or addictions anymore, Right? As I go along that process, I can't be driven around by what Sandy says to me today. I can't be bothered, you know, that somebody else got a promotion and I didn't. Or that I woke up this morning and I have a cold even though I'm believing for healing. I'm not moved by those situations because I understand that this physical realm is, this is fleeting. It's here one minute and gone the next. But the Bible says that the word of God, faith, it, it endures the storm. That when everything is gone, the Bible says the word of God will still remain. The word of God is what is absolute. It is what is true. And so I have chosen or I've done my best to continue to choose every day to not be moved 
by situations, but to be moved by what the Word says. Because it's all about perspective. Because, I, I don't know if you've noticed this before, but like when you're in a bad mood, you know what's the most annoying thing to somebody in a bad mood? Somebody in a good mood. <laughs> right? Like when somebody is in a bad mood, I'll say me personally. Like if I'm in a bad mood, which typically happens if I'm waiting in line somewhere. <laughs> something happens to me. It's the devil of, I don't know, impatience maybe. And Danielle is so chill in lines. She's like just like chatting me up. And we're, she's talking. And she can tell like my skin color is progressively getting redder and redder and redder. And she's ignoring. And she just, and then she'll be like, oh, you know, it's no big deal, right? And you know that like literally just makes me blow up, right? And then I got something to say about everything and everybody and how they're all stupid. And this process is dumb and we're going home. Why? Because the worst thing, I was in a restaurant recently and this happened to me. I, you know, I sat down and I, you know, we ordered, you know, first of all, it took like 20 minutes for the waiter to even come to our table to take our drink order, right? So immediately I knew, right? Then I ordered my drink and 25 minutes later, the drink gets to my table, right? So I know that, you know, okay, this is how it's going to go. We're going to be here for a while, right? Now, outside of my normal character, I chose to be okay with it, Okay. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to roll with the punches here. This is cool. You know, Danielle and I were sitting, we're talking, and it's just this great time. And it does. It takes a long time, you know, 25, 35, 45 minutes to go by. And you're kind of like, I'm getting concerned at this point. Like, did the chef have a heart attack or something? Because this is crazy. Okay. But we're just chatting it up and we're having a good time. Now, the person who was sitting beside me was not having the same experience that I was having. Like 20 minutes go by and he's pretty chill. By the 25 minute point, it's really starting to go south, right? Everyone knows what I'm talking about when I go south, right? We've all been in those situations. And this guy just starts going, right? He's complaining about this and complaining about that. And then, you know, the problem with complaining is, is that once you get into like the complaining rut, it doesn't stop right? And so now, even though he has the food, he's complaining about the food. And then he's complaining about the dessert. And then he's complaining about how much the bill is. And meanwhile, I'm sitting over there having a great time. And I dawned on me in that moment that this guy and I, we're at the same restaurant. We're potentially eating the same food, cooked by the same guy. And I'm going home having a great night. It was a great experience for me. I got this moment to connect with my wife. We had this great conversation. This other guy is going home, and I feel bad for his wife, right? <laughs> but what? It's a clear picture to me, even in those silly natural things, about how our perspective on things has such an amazing ability in order to dictate the, my outlook on my, on my life and as a whole, really. Simply just how I choose to perceive things. So I realized, no matter what I experience, with the right perspective, I can enjoy anything. You know, I'm watching a show, too. It's a really good show. Uh, it's called, I'm not going to tell you what it's called. <laughs> Actually, it's called Meat Eater. It's a great show. It's just about a guy who hunts. And... In one of the episodes, because I hunt vicariously through people, right? 
I like, I love animals so much that I could never kill one myself, but I'm okay with other people killing them. That's totally cool. Like, do your thing. Okay. And in one of the episodes, this guy made this statement. He said, you know, this guy is a, he's a professional. He has a TV show where he's a hunter. And he made a statement one time that said, my, you know, I'm not, I'm, I, my brother is actually an amazing hunter. But he said, for me, what makes me such a good hunter is I have the ability to enjoy the suck, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, what makes me such a good hunter is that I can embrace the negative conditions. I can embrace the hard work, the sleeplessness. I can, you know, walk the miles. I can walk in the rain and in the cold and in the snow. I can do all of those things. And it's not that I'm a good hunter because I have this amazing ability, but I have this ability to maintain the right perspective during the hunt. And so that's actually the thing that makes me a good hunter. Man, like profound. What makes me someone, a good person who lives by faith? Is it that I read my Bible every day? Sure, sure. Is it that I pray in tongues? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Those things, right? If you're a hunter, uh, you got to practice, right? you got to take a at least a couple of shots, right? But what gives us the staying power in this process of faith is I understand how to, to walk through, like this guy said, I can endure the suck. The points when it's not good, when it doesn't feel good. And so that's what I want to talk about. Because in the Old Covenant, I understand that uh, the Old Covenant was all about work. It was all about you work to receive, right? You, excuse me, you received as much as you could work to receive, right? You were blessed to the degree to which you were able to remain good or to abide by the rules and you were blessed to the degree that you were able to abide by the rules, okay? How many of you know in the new covenant, that's not the way that it works? Everybody familiar with that? It's not what enables me to be able to step into the blessing is what we're talking about, is that I believe, okay? My believing is the thing that qualifies me. Now, in my process of believing, those things are going to be purified out of me because the more truth gets in me, the more deception that's out of me, but that's a byproduct. What happens in my life is that the more that I believe, the more that things begin to manifest in my life. And so it's not about how much I can work. And the new covenant is about two things. It's about I believe, and it's about thank you. Sure. And I realized that Thanksgiving is a powerful spiritual force that really in most people's lives is overlooked. Because in our culture, thank you is kind of like a formality, right? You know what I'm saying, like a formality? Like when I walk up to, like if I walk by Sandy and I'm like, hey Sandy, how are you? Right? How many of you know that's a formality? I don't really want to know how Sandy's doing, right? In fact, a lot of the times you ever have it where you're like, you know, hey man, how you doing, right? And they're like, you know, the, what would be the uh, officer or something? Hey, man, how you doing? Not much. How are you? Right? Right? Because it's such a formality. I, mean, I don't actually mean it. I'm not actually engaged in this process with you. And I think that Thanksgiving has become a lot like that in our culture. Where, where, where we kind of like, we're like, yeah, thanks for that. Instead of realizing that scripturally, 
Thanksgiving is this spiritual force that really, and we're going to talk about this, unlocks for me really the, some of the missing components in this process or this walk of faith. Because faith has the potential to release the rich blessings of God in our life. Thanksgiving releases faith, and faith releases the breakthrough. Right? That's what Mark 11 tells me, right? Believe that you have received it. So if I receive it, well, that's a place of thanksgiving. So it says, when I enter into a place of thanksgiving, Mark tells me, then you'll have it. Not negating the process of believing, but thanksgiving is an equal portion in this process of manifestation. So thanksgiving is not that. You know the other thing that I was thinking about thanksgiving is thanksgiving isn't just a spiritual principle. You know, because I was, I'm actually guilty of that a lot of the times. And it was today, as I was just talking to the Lord about this, he was saying that to me about Thanksgiving is, I think that sometimes we, you know, Thanksgiving is kind of like, you know, reading your Bible. You know, it's kind of this like Christian thing that we do. It's because that it's like, yeah, if I'm not feeling super Christian today, I'm just not going to read my Bible. You know what I'm saying? But I've realized that Thanksgiving and a lot of these things, they're not just spiritual principles. You know, like, yes, it is absolutely a spiritual principle, but I've realized that people in the world use thanksgiving as a means to overcome a lot of negative situations in their life, right? That, like, thanksgiving, yes, it is absolutely a spiritual principle, and we should apply it as that. But I tell you something, if you just become, if I would just become a thankful person, my life it w- would be, and, and I can attest to this, my life is so much better because I focus on things to be thankful for rather than the things to complain about, right? Now, let me make a little caveat here. I'm talking about complaining, but that doesn't mean that we walk around and we're like, you know, these people with rose-colored glasses on and we're just like happy-go-lucky, right? Because sometimes there are real things that we have to address. And I asked the Lord, Lord, how do I know? Because there are sometimes we see that Jesus was actually negative, right? Like imagine Peter. Imagine, Peter, you know, if somebody, if I came up to you and it, I'm having a conversation with my Aunt Joy and my response to her is, get thee behind me, Satan, right? That's a pretty negative thing that I could say to somebody. So Jesus wasn't afraid to say negative things. And so I asked the Lord, Lord, how do I stay out of complaining, but I still understand how to adequately and properly address things in my life? And he said this, the difference between saying something like saying something that's that is hard but we have to address and complaining is people who complain they talk about negative things but don't ever plan on fixing that negative thing in their life. Right? Like how many even know Jesus was a little negative in that moment when he called Peter out? But he called him out because he was looking to be able to address and fix that thing that was inside Peter. So I'm not saying that we now, we, that we, we, we live in this pretend Christian world where it's all like, hallelujah, praise God, yeah. <laughs> right? Because I don't, I'm not saying that we have to live phony, but what I'm saying is, is that if you're just running off at your mouth saying things that we don't really have any intention on fixing, those things are the things that are potentially going to get us stuck in those negative ruts that we don't want to get into, okay? So I got three points and then I'm going to be done. So thanksgiving is, like I said, it's an amazing spiritual force. 
And it's not just a spiritual force. It really is a, a principle that will make us better human beings. Right? Like my wife can attest to this. I don't know if she's in the room right now. But like I used to be very just negative. You know, and I would, you know, I was uh, angry and call things out and whatever. And now I'm, I practiced Thanksgiving for a few years. And like, now I'm a pretty like happy-go-lucky guy. And I'll tell you, you could ask her if she would like to trade the old guy for the new guy. And she would say, absolutely not. She hated the old guy, right? And that's the thing is that I realized that when we're talking about Thanksgiving, it is a, it is a principle in my life that's going to enhance my life regardless of whether I see, you know, the miracle that I'm looking for. When I live a thankful life, I'll realize the fact that I'm living in a lot of miracles that I just have overlooked for so many years. I'm now complaining about the miracle that I was believing for five years ago because it's old news instead of being thankful for it and like David using it as a stepping stone to be able to get to my next miracle. Okay. So what does, fa- what does Thanksgiving do? It does so many things, and you could go study on it, and I've done studies on it, and it's like, it's endless, really, what it does. It, what it does in your life, but also what it does in your brain. Thanksgiving in your brain, I'll tell you something, if you want brain health, like, like physical brain health, okay? Not like health in my thoughts. Yes, it will make your thoughts healthy, but I'm talking about the actual muscle inside of your brain, Thanksgiving, it it literally unlocks your brain's potential to regenerate itself, okay? Because that's the thing, is that our physical bodies, they, like, we we deteriorate. But what they found out about the brain is that if you keep your brain healthy, you can be 120 and, like, frail as, you know, as, like, all get up, but your brain is still sharp as a tack, because your brain has within itself the programming in order to continue to regenerate itself. The thing inside of our physical brain that causes deterioration, fear, worry, strife, anxiety, complaining. So I'm talking about, yes, Thanksgiving unlocks a slew of spiritual principles, but it also unlocks the cure for Alzheimer's and for dementia, and uh, there's doctors that I'm studying now, and they're curing people by dealing with these negative pathways and negative ruts of complaining that they've built, and seeing amazing results in ADHD children, where they're training people how to be thankful, and because of that, it's unlocking these things that science has no explanation as to why they're happening. So yes, Thanksgiving has amazing spiritual ramifications, but physically, it will make us better, you know, sharper, stronger human beings, okay? But from a faith perspective, <clears throat> what are three things it does? The first thing that Thanksgiving is going to do for me is it's going to stir my faith. I tell you, I've noticed this. When I focus on anything long enough, it has the ability to change me. Do you ever notice that? That the longer that I focus on something, the more that I become that thing. You ever have those things in your life where when you were young, you made a joke? I don't know if you have this, but I had this before, where like when you're young, it's like popular to be afraid of heights. Does anybody ever know that? Like it's like popular to do like funny things. Like you're the really popular person is like, oh, I'm so afraid of heights. And you're like, oh my gosh, me too. I'm so afraid of heights too. Because you really just want to get, you really just want to fit in. 
And then like 25 years later, you're actually so scared of heights. But it's like, what happened there? It was just that I rehearsed something so, so long in my life that it actually had the ability to change me. When I focus on thanksgiving in my life, what it has the ability to do on the inside of me is change me by stirring up my faith. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but have you ever gone through, and I have this, I have like pages of promises of what God has for me. And so if I'm down or I'm feeling like negative or whatever, or like maybe you have I am statements from going through meditations or that, I have all that stuff. And so, you know, if I'm feeling down, I have it on my phone and I just go through my notes and I just read through all these things. I am this, I am blessed, I'm beloved. I, you know, I'm the head and not the tail. I have all these things. I don't have to go very long by, by allowing thanksgiving in my heart for what God has done for me, for it to totally change the mood that I'm in. When I focus on anything, that thing has the ability to change me. Right? Like my wife has that with water. If you, if you know her, you know she always has a water bottle. Because the second that she thinks that she's thirsty, she's like, she needs to drink. Right? And then it's like, even if you're like five minutes from home and she runs out of water, she's so fixated on the fact that she ran out of water that it's like, she's like, her mouth is dry. And I'm like, there's no possible way you're this thirsty in a matter of five minutes. You literally have drank like six liters of water today. But what happens is, is that you become so fixated on something that that thing now begins to change you and not just change you mentally. Her mouth gets dry and she gets thirsty and things begin to... Okay, imagine what our life will be like if when I have a fearful thought about finances, if I combat that with my identity in Christ. Imagine what would happen if when I, when I, when I cough or I have a sniffle, if I talk about the cross and the power of the cross and how thankful that I am that Jesus went on the cross and died for me, that what, you know, when his blood was shed, that it paid the price for, it doesn't, it doesn't take me, if I focus, I mean a minute, two minutes, what happens when I'm thankful, it stirs my faith and helps me to continue to engage on my process. It reminds me of who I am. Whose I am. What I can do. What's in me. What Jesus has done for me. Because sometimes you have to do that. There's this thing that I'm believing God for. And, you know, I've been, you know, because we're always on a journey. And so the Lord just continually reveals things to me about this. And I'm believing for this one thing. And it's pretty much impossible. Like if you were to ask people in the world, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible to do this. And I know that God has told me that this is going to happen in your lifetime. And, you know, I've just been in conversation with the Lord about it and all these different things. And I remember he said to me the one day, if this person, it's a financial thing, so let's just say, you know, if Donald Trump showed up and said, he went on the news and he said, I figured this thing out. To me, it would be like, oh yeah, that's cool. It wouldn't faze me that this thing that was impossible could be done by somebody who I would in my head say that they have enough money or resources or they're in that class that I could see that they could do it. 
But then when I'm looking, sometimes I was looking at myself, it was like, oh, this is, imp- how could I ever think that? I mean, this is me. This is, I'm from Fort Erie. How could I ever? There's no way that I could ever. Oh my gosh, that's so ridiculous. I mean, that's such a big thing. How could I? I mean, I could change the world with that. And then the Lord has to stop me. Right? And it's like, Alex, remember not who you are on the outside, not your birth certificate. Not your last name. Don't think about that. Think about who you, who you really are. I mean, you are the son of the father who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I mean, this is the guy who spit in some dirt and then rubbed the dirt in some guy's eyes. And that guy was, could see. This is the guy who told you to go dip in the lake seven times and this is the guy who, you know, someone touched the hem of his garment. I mean, my dad does the impossible as a part of his everyday life. But I have to remain fixated. I have to remain thankful, not, not for who I am on the outside. Because my body is funny. My body gets the sniffles, and it... It sometimes does things, I wish you wanted it. But what, I, I can't remain fixated on the outside. When I'm thankful for who I am, who my Father is, it will stir my faith to continue along my journey. The second thing it does, silences the enemy. Psalm 8 says this, You have taught children to tell of your strength, and that silences the enemy and all who oppose you. So I realize when I release thanksgiving, it has the power to silence the enemy. You ever notice this? I mean, people do this test all the time, so I'm not going to do it. You all know this, where it's like, think a thought, and you're like thinking a thought, you're thinking a thought, you're thinking a thought, and then I'd be like, okay, say purple. And you're like, purple. And then I would be like, what happened to your thought? And you'd be like, oh my gosh, it's gone, right? Okay. What I've realized is that principle. When the enemy is coming at my mind and he's trying to talk to me, right? Because lies talk to us, right? Things, situations try to talk to us. When I'm thankful, what thanksgiving it actually does inside of my mind is it shuts up the ability for that thing to be able to talk to me. When I say something out loud and I'm thanking the Lord, Lord, I'm thanking that you're so good. You know, you're, you know, your mercy endures forever. God, you're so big. You know, there's nothing that's bigger than you. Father, you're so strong. You're on the cattle on a thousand hills. It's like, I can't think about those negative thoughts. I don't physically have the capacity in order to focus on that negativity in my life. And so I realize that when I'm thankful, a lot of the times people come to me and they're like, I just can't get this thought out of my head. And it's like, every time this situation happens, this thought, and I ask them, So what do you do when the thought comes into your head? And they're like, I think about it. I focus on it. I stress about it. I obsess over it. And my advice is simple. When the thought comes into your head, just say the word. I know, crazy, crazy revelation tonight. When the thought pops into my head, just simply say the word. And it's probably not going to last long because the thing in your brain is strong and the word is weak at this point. 
And five seconds later, when the thought pops back in your head, you're going to do the same thing. You're going to say the word. Because what happens is, is the more that I say the word, the more that I focus, the more that I'm thankful for what God has done, and I'm expressing that in my life, I'm beginning to give that source strength in my life. And when I give that source strength in my life, what it does conversely, without even me trying, right? Because this is sometimes when people come to me to do ramas on them. And they're like, oh, I have this issue. I have this issue. And I'm like, I honestly don't think you have an issue. I just think that you spend so much time thinking about your issue. Instead of trying to fix the issue, start focusing on the fact that God has already taken care of it. He already has an answer. He's already got a plan to get you through. And what will happen is as I'm thankful with the new thing, it's just going to starve out the old thing. So when I'm in a storm, I've realized the first thing that I have to do is praise. And that's, like it goes over good in here. But it's when I get out there, I realize it's always on my mind. Right? Like, I've been doing it lately in lines, which is I think. And I'm finally feeling the conviction to deal with my... And I do that. I get into a line, and it's there. How do you know it's there? Like, it wants to come out. The complaints want to... The criticism wants to come out. But what I realize that when I'm in a storm, my complaining is not... It's going to be like the guy in the restaurant. It's going to ruin my experience and the experience of everybody else that's around me. Instead, I can choose to rejoice right now. Because in that moment, it's like I'm sitting in the car, my car, that's warm, in a great car, with my wife, who I somehow snagged her. (laughs) I tricked her to marry me. And then I tricked her again to give me a child who is beautiful and amazing. And I've realized that I actually have so much more to be thankful for that's, in, that's right now with me in this moment that historically all I could focus on was the negative. And what, it's an amazing thing that happens. I just look in my rearview mirror and I just start, like, I'll just start talking to Lola and I'll just say something to her, you know, Whatever. Oh, you're so cute. You know, I love you. Jesus loves you. You love people. You're strong. You're smart. You're all those things. And as I engage with her, because what? That's, it's Thanksgiving. It's like I'm giving her my mind and my attention. It's like the line, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like at that point, Danielle has to tell me to move forward <laughs> because the cars have moved forward because I'm, I'm not here anymore. I'm not in the problem. I'm not in the crisis anymore. Thanksgiving has elevated me outside of my crisis as I have engaged with what in my life actually matters. But what has changed? It wasn't the line. No, what changed simply was I'm choosing to be thankful rather than at that moment critical. The third thing it does is this, and I'm closing with this. It opens the heavens. Verse 4 says it like this. 
Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. <clears throat> when I've always read the scripture, literally up until the Lord was talking to me and I was preparing this teaching, I've always focused on the word thanksgiving. That's what we all have, right? The scripture is really about thanksgiving and praise, or historically, that is the way that I have always thought about it. Now, instead of that, I realized that there's more to the scripture, and I focused on the word gates, right? Because it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Now, when I think about a gate, if you pick up a gate, you know, if you think about a gate inside of your mind, you realize that gates are typically, they're attached to a wall, right? And typically, we would put that wall up in order to keep other people out, right? Think about it in the olden days when they would build a fortress, they would build an impenetrable wall that nobody could get through that was totally sealed off. And then they would have a gate that would open and it would close. So I began to realize that when the Lord is talking to me about that I enter into his gates with thanksgiving, that those things that otherwise would have been, I, 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 I would have no access to those things, right? Because typically when people inside of a gate or inside of a wall, people put things in there that are valuable, right? Like you don't put your garbage inside of a walled city, okay? Because you don't care about it. So when it's talking to me about that I enter into his gates, it's saying that I'm getting entrance into a place that matters. That otherwise, other people in most other situations don't have access in order to get to these things. That place that God keeps all the things that are valuable to him. When I'm thankful, now what otherwise was off limits to me, right? Because if, if, if everything was inside the limits, if I just had a right to get it, the scripture wouldn't be said that way. It would just say that you're a son of God, therefore go into the gates. Or you're a son of God, there are no gates. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that those things in my life, the good things of God that I have been looking for, those things that up until now have been locked up inside of that walled city, I tell you the secret key, that secret ingredient that I've been looking for in order to get those gates to open. Right, we pray that all the time. Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we want heaven on earth. And God is saying, yes, absolutely. Those good things are locked up inside of the gate. And thanksgiving is the key to that gate. So I realize that when I'm thankful, it's not just, yeah, it's stirring my faith. Absolutely. Yeah, it's silencing the enemy, absolutely. But as I am thankful and I'm practicing thanksgiving, what it's doing is those things that otherwise were locked up, those things that people said were impossible, 
those things that I can't understand how it could be done, those things, the prophetic words that have been locked up for you, that promise that you're going to be a millionaire or you're going to have that business or that your marriage is going to work or that, you know, God is going to beat that, those good things that you're believing for that, that are in that area of protection that God has because he protects those things for us. My entrance into that place is thanksgiving. Enter his gates with his thanksgiving and his courts with praise. When I enter with thanksgiving, it allows me to move into the presence of the Lord. And when I'm in the presence of the Lord, that's where the blessing begins to flow in my life. So Heavenly Father, this evening, we choose that. Just with every head bowed and every eye is closed, I wanted to give a challenge my dad did a challenge like this before, and it was good. It was the no complaining challenge. 72 hours of no complaining. Now, I wanted to add a, a second half to it, okay? Because, like, it's great to, yes, not complain. But the problem is, if you've never done this before, you're going to realize... I failed before I left the building. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, tell them and tell yourself that do the, go for 72 hours without complaining. But if you find yourself in a state of complaint and you complain, you have to be, say, if you complained about one thing, you have to then talk about two things that you're thankful for. Okay. Because that's the thing. It's what Jesus did with Peter, right? Peter denied Jesus three times. And then we, after, when Jesus comes back, at the same time, Jesus said to him, Peter, do you love me? How many times? Three times. Okay? So this time we're going to do it even better. If you say a complaint once, say, talk about two things that we're thankful for. And tomorrow being Thanksgiving for American people is really easy. But I really believe that as we grab hold of this, it really, I, I'm a living testimony of thanksgiving transforming my life. So Father, we thank you for that this evening. Lord, we know that you're good in our life and your desire for us is to be good and only good. And Lord, we know that thanksgiving connects us to the blessing. It connects us to where you are. And so Lord, we choose this evening. Lord, we loose from our soul right now in the name of Jesus. Every, uh, every rut, every negative rut that we have been in in our life where complaining or murmuring or negativity is concerned, we choose as an act of our will to loose those situations from our soul right now, Heavenly Father. Amen. Those bad pathways and those bad habits. And Heavenly Father, right now, we choose to bind to our soul thanksgiving and praise. Like the song says, your praise will ever be on my lips. Lord, that is our desire, that we would be known as people of thanksgiving. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name.